This is the Pro Channel Manager Podcast, episode number 12. You're listening to the Pro Channel Manager Podcast, the only podcast in the world that shows you how to run a YouTube channel just like the pros. And here's your host. He's grown multiple YouTube channels by millions of subscribers and billions of views. And even though he speaks funny, we promise you he is speaking English. Tom Martin. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Pro Channel Manager podcast. If I'm sounding a little out of breath, it's because I've just completed a high intensity interval training workout, which for anyone who actually knows me in real life will find that a complete shock because I'm a complete and a sloth. But I've decided that I you know, need to get in shape a bit, start looking after myself. And uh, yeah, personal trainers just been here. Very, very different for me. But it's all about feeling better, working better. And ultimately for me, having a, a better physical lifestyle will help my mental approach to life and to work. And that's what we're going to talk about today in this amazing episode with the creator coach, Josh Zimmerman, who helps creators and independent artists and workers to better find a balance and avoid creator burnout. Josh is a great friend of mine. I know that sounds like a very, very broken record. I say that about most of the guests here, but genuinely, Josh, I've known for years and years, one of my closest friends in the industry and outside of the industry. He's just a great guy, very, very generous with his knowledge, very, very thoughtful, and very generous with his time as well. And I cannot thank him enough for coming on today to talk about this very, very, very important subject. Everything that we talk about today is going to be available in a detailed how-to guide, which you will be able to find at prochannelmanager.com forward slash episode 12. That's the word episode, the number 12, no spaces, no hyphens. But before we get in today's interview, we must say a huge thank you to our awesome sponsor, vidIQ. vidIQ is the secret weapon for every professional YouTube channel manager. Why? Because it has all of the amazing workflow and efficiency tools you need to save you time and effort, but there's more. It also has the most advanced YouTube SEO tools in the world, including an incredible keyword research tool that I use on every single video that I upload. I've been using vidIQ since way back in 2013, and without it, I simply wouldn't have been able to generate the billions of YouTube views that I have. So if you want to get Ninja and start using the tools that the pros use, check out prochannelmanager.com forward slash vidIQ to get a free 30-day trial of one of their awesome paid plans. That's prochannelmanager.com forward slash vidIQ. And you can thank me later. Thanks again, vidIQ. And here we are with an incredible interview. It's really going to speak to you if you're working remotely, if you're working independently, even if you're working as part of a, a wider team, but you're finding a lot of pressure on you to keep uploading as we know YouTube requires. I'm not going to say anything more. I'm going to let this amazing interview with Josh play and I'll be back on the other side of the conversation to wrap it up. So Josh, welcome to the show. I know that you know absolutely everyone in the YouTube space, but there is a chance that people listening to this may not know who you are. So please, Josh, can you give us a little mini history of your journey into the YouTube space, into the online video arena, and most importantly, how you went from what I'm dubbing, and you don't know that I'm going to dub you this year, as the... As the Clark Kent of YouTube. <laughs> and if you want to know what just looks like, check out the artwork for this episode. He's the Clark Kent of YouTube. How did you go from the Clark Kent of YouTube to the Superman that is the creator coach? Well, that's so great, Tom. I'm, I'm wondering if I should take my glasses off, even though nobody can see this, <laughs> to, to really do this. But, you know, I, I'm based in L.A., and I went to school for broadcast journalism in Boston and fell into entertainment. And in 2014, I was lucky enough to be part of YouTube Nation, which is where you and I met, which was the official daily show for YouTube. And it was Jeffrey Katzenberg, his idea, along with DreamWorks Animation and YouTube, to have the official daily show 
of YouTube called YouTube Nation. And that is where I first really got immersed into and exposed to this amazing world of YouTubers and creators. And my job was to reach out to them to be able to promote them. I know. Can we just can we just stop and just talk about how epic this show was? Like if you were a creator back in what 2014 Mm -hmm. and you got an email from Josh, like I don't know about people listening to this, but please let us know on social media at channel underscore fuel. Josh, what are you on Twitter for people to find you? Mine is at the creator coach and you can probably just use the hashtag YouTube nation. Yeah, please like tag us and let us know if you one remember YouTube nation and two, if any of your videos ever got featured on YouTube nation, cause it was pretty epic. I mean, like our office would come to a standstill. It was like, yeah, Josh wants this. Josh wants this video for YouTube nation. And then like, we'd all have like eyes peeled for the next week or the next day for it to be on YouTube nation. And it that was pretty was a, epic. It was, was pretty a, damn we, epic. We, I think we were the fastest channel ever to a million back in 2014. And, you know, Tom, I had no idea who I was emailing. You know, I was emailing Hank Green. I was emailing Zay Frank and Jenna Marbles or Jenna Marbles' mom and Ryan Higa and, you know, you name it. The royalty, absolute royal family of YouTube. And had no idea who they were. But, you know, Dude Perfect to Devin Supertramp to ASAP Science, you know, was to working with NASA and Star Wars and Lucasfilms and the White House under with President Obama, Clozell, the list just keeps going. And that was my first sort of eye-opening awareness into this magical world of creatives and creators putting out content that was just so inspiring and just uplifting. And that's when I fell in love with YouTube. And as a with a background in journalism, it was a way to tell stories to a larger audience. Tragically, you know, YouTube Nation came to an end after one year, but it is still online. If you search for YouTube Nation, you can see all of our hundreds of shows and see what people used to look like back then. But it's always a great recap of, you know, what we discovered every day and really celebrating the human spirit. And from there, you know, I helped start a few companies and run an MCN until, you know, a couple people asked me to manage them. And I said, sure, didn't really know what I was doing, but fell into it and had some wonderful mentors and managers around me as colleagues. And, you know, before I knew it, I had a roster of 10 people, including Yoga with Adrian, The Food Ranger, James Rath, Kuma Films, and so forth. What I realized in 2017 was that I didn't want to be chasing after talent to sign them to be part of Jay-Z management. Just wasn't me. And at that time, that's when people started talking about burnout. And I know I had reached out to you, Tom, and said, hey, have you heard about this? And you had heard about it. But I realized that no one was really talking about it. So I wrote an article, Tom. I wrote an article on LinkedIn saying as a manager to other managers, like, hey, something's going on. We need to hear about this. And nobody read it. Nobody read the article. I think you may have. You know, I read which it. Which I greatly appreciate. And anyone who's listening can go go back and read it. But after that, there was that huge tidal wave of different articles that came out talking about creator burnout and all of these creators burning out. But what I noticed something really interesting, which was everyone was talking about the problem, but nobody was doing anything about it. And I decided at that moment that I was going to be the solution. I was going to do something about it, and I was going to be the first ever life coach dedicated to creators and started my journey on being certified, which is really important. Everyone can call themselves a life coach because it's not a regulated industry, but that is not the fact. You actually have to be certified to actually be a legitimate life coach. Can we just like step back on that? Because I know like that's not like University of American Samoa law certificate, like better call Saul. This is No, this is like a real certification. It's taken you a long time and there's over two, I, two and a half years. And I'm right in thinking that there's not many people as young as you that has this kind of qualification, right? This is not a widespread qualification that people have. No, actually, at my level of of certification of coaching, I'm one of seven people in California 
all of California that hold the level of coaching certification and one of, I think, 136 in all of the United States within my age range. So it is, you know, the second highest level of coaching. You can consider it a, a master's and which means I am trained in working with clients and helping them move from point A to point B and helping them figure out what's getting in the way and using a ton of tools and techniques to move them forward. Okay, so let's dive into that because I think, and this with all due respect, I think there's going to be a load of people out here right now that are like, oh yeah, right, you know, you're just going to sit me on a couch and it's going to be like a therapy session and, you know, it's a bit bit woo-woo to some people, you know? Yeah. So can you kind of break down a little bit more? Obviously, you can't give away your secret sauce, but how does your work kind of happen in a day-to-day basis? Like, how does it manifest itself in reality? Sure. Uh, You know, are you like, you know, you're not out there like doing people's laundry and sorting out their taxes. How do you actually work with a client one-on-one? It's a great question. So I think one of the big things that I always, when I say I'm a life coach, and just to be really clear, coaching is not a regulated industry. So that's good and bad. The good part is it's not regulated. The bad part is it's not regulated. There is a organization that's been around for 25 years called the ICF, the International Coaching Federation, and they are sort of the gold standard of accreditation. So they have the board for ethics, and they are an organization that I belong to that really sets the standard in what coaching should be. And so there are people out there that say they are coaches, and you'll see the websites of have the best life, live your potential, five sessions, $10,000, you know, I'll change your life. Most of it's bullshit. I can't change your life. And my secret sauce is... I'm good at what I do. And so what's important to know about coaching, whenever I say I'm a coach, people are like, oh, you're like a therapist. And I'm not. There's a big difference between therapy, consulting, and coaching. Therapy, which I highly recommend to everybody, is where you go see a licensed medical professional. And you are usually diagnosed with the DSM-5, which is this big old fat book of diagnoses. And you're working with a licensed medical professional on issues from your past that are affecting you right now, okay? That's sort of like the overview of therapy. Then you have consulting, which I'm honored to be on your podcast as one of the best consultants in the digital space. But a consultant is somebody who is an expert in their field And you are paying them because they are an expert to help you and tell you what to do. There's consulting sort of in a a nutshell. And then there's coaching. And coaching is you, the client, are the expert, not me. And my job is to help you get from point A to point B and figure out what's getting in the way. And once we figure out what's getting in the way, we don't go around it or over it or under it. We go through it. And we're always looking to the future. We may look back a little bit, but we're always looking to what you want to have happen in the future. So therapy, looking to the past, coaching, looking to the future. And my job is, you know, I do a a few different kinds of coaching, but for the most part, I don't insert my opinion, meaning you have the answers. My job is to ask thought-provoking powerful questions that sort of hit you in the gut and help you gain perspective and awareness about what's really happening and how we move through that together. So I'm not a babysitter, but I am your coach to push you to be there by your side. No matter what the topic is, unless it veers into therapy, then I have to stop and have to refer you to a therapist. But my job is to be your coach. You are in charge, not me. So you've mentioned burnout, which is kind of the probably like the most famous or, you know, the most common problem or the most spoken about problem would be burnout. But can you tell us what are some of the other issues that you're finding that your clients are suffering with or the challenges that they have? But also, why is it that this particular subset of people that you've chosen to work with creators are so susceptible to those problems what is it about them that makes them so susceptible to those problems 
So I think the easiest way to explain that is if you're listening and you are a creator, you will understand this. As a creator or a creative, and if you're creating content for any of the platforms, you're staring into a camera, right? You're staring into an inanimate object and talking to it and uploading your video, being creative, and hopefully, you know, millions of people are watching. And you're watching the numbers go up on your side, you know, you're working hard, but it's very lonely and solitary. Now, on the other side of the lens are the people watching. And so if you're well known and you go out and fans rush you and they are like, you know, pretend like you are their best friend, it is because you are. You don't know them, but they know you. And that's because of the fact that you are breaking what we call the fourth wall, which is if you ever watch TV or anything like that, we're usually in a third person viewpoint of like, we're sort of voyeuristic. We're watching something happen. Whereas usually on social platforms, the person's breaking the fourth wall, meaning that they are looking directly at you and creating a really intimate relationship between you and yourself and the viewer and the viewer and the the creator. But that causes a huge amount of problem because it's a one-way relationship. And once you start to, as a creator, once you start to really take off, a lot of things start to happen. One, you're even more isolated because everyone now wants to be around you and be your friend. Two, you don't know who you can trust because people are coming out of the woodwork that you haven't heard from in years. And you don't know if they're using you for money, if they're using you to be in one of the stories or videos. So there's a huge trust issue. Then you have people around you who are yes people, who are saying yes to everything, which doesn't give you a balance of what is going to be best for your career. So what I continually see again and again, and everyone that I work with says, I'm the only one that has this problem, and I, I just sit there and wait for it, is... I'm lonely. I hear that from every single client. And everyone thinks they are the only ones that feel that way because this is such an isolating job. And the other piece that I hear is that you're seeing a section, a fragment, a curated moment in time of who this person is. That's not who they are completely. So a lot of the times my clients feel that they can't be their true self because that's not the persona they've put out on YouTube or any other platform. Some creators are are a little bit more transparent about that, but creators are also caught in this as going down the rabbit hole of looking at other people on Instagram and this and that and you know saying, oh, their life must be so great. But I want to remind everybody that you are seeing a edited version of what somebody wants you to see. And that person is vulnerable. They have their own things going on and they have nobody to talk to about that. That's a broad statement. A lot of people don't have people to talk to about it because a lot of people don't understand this space. And I do. And so I'm usually that person who says, I don't need you to explain to me how YouTube works or any of the platforms where you create content. My job is to be there for you and to help move you forward and to tell you the hard truth or to ask the hard questions that other people won't ask because their paycheck is dependent upon you doing stuff. I think that's incredible. And I think there's going to be a lot of people listening to this that are sitting there thinking, wow, Josh just described me totally because we have some very big creators listening to this it doesn't matter how big you are or not if you're working on something in isolation or in a small team or remotely whether you're a big youtuber or you're working for a big youtube you know you might be a freelance editor or a channel manager or a thumbnail designer it doesn't matter what you are i think there's a lot of people that can relate to that and would say yeah he's talking about me there how do these issues manifest themselves in the creator's lives what are the symptoms for want of a better word so the first thing is the, the symptoms are, are stress, burnout, anxiety, depression, not feeling inspired to create content, stopping making content, to just watching their numbers drop and giving up. It also uh, can go the other way, where people start pumping out more and more and more content until they run themselves into the ground. 
I think what's really important for everybody to know and what I say to every single client is that you are only going to be relevant on whatever platform you're on for a certain amount of time and you have no control of that. And so your job is to have fun, but also think about this because you are a business, you are a CEO, and you have to think like that if you want to be successful. You have to diversify. You can't just stay on one platform. You have to think bigger, and you have to have people around you challenging you and helping you think bigger. Merch is not enough. What do you want to do in your life? Clients with that question all the time because they're tired of making content or their interests have changed, but all they've done is YouTube. I think the other way that it manifests, Tom, and one of the things that we really fail to understand is how important it is to appreciate what you have. And when I say that, what I mean is perspective. And when I'm talking about perspective, it is really important to be really specific on that, which is looking at what you have as a creator right now and understanding what that actually means. And so very quickly, I will give you an example. So for anybody listening, you all of you can relate to this, which is seeing your numbers go down on the back end of any, or I only got this many likes, or I only got this many views. But to give you a scope of how many lives you as a creator affect, let's just play this out. So Tom, let's say, you know, or anybody listening, you have a million subscribers or views or likes or comments on your content in the last 28 days. Now, for some people, that's going to be huge. For some people, that's not going to be big. And that may be, again, a small number compared to your channel, but just go with me on it. And let's just pick a venue. Let's say Madison Square Garden. Everyone knows Madison Square Garden. A sold-out show at Madison Square Garden. Tom, how many people do you think that can hold? And before you answer, we'll give your audience a time to take a guess. How many people, how many is the maximum amount of people that Madison Square Garden can hold? Well, I know it's like in the city center of New York. I've never been inside, but I'd say it's probably somewhere between 30 and 50,000. Okay. So as you know, Madison Square Garden is like, if you can play in Madison Square Garden, it is. Yeah, it's like the Royal Albert Hall here in the UK. And wherever you're listening, pick an iconic. Sydney Opera House, whatever it may be. When it comes to Madison Square Garden, the maximum amount of people it can hold is 20,789. That means that if we take your million subscribers or viewers or likes or comments in 20, in just 28 days, you filled 48 Madison Square Gardens. Yes, yeah, even when, that's why I always say to people, you know, even if you get 300 views, could you imagine standing up in a room and speaking to 300 people? which I've done, that's pretty insane, you know, (laughs) standing there and seeing 300 faces stare back at you. So yeah, when you're talking about multiples of that even, it's it's pretty incredible to think about it. Yes, and I would challenge everybody who's listening, I don't care how many views or likes or subscribers um, on any platform that you have, if you ever say that's not enough, then I challenge you to write a comment or go online and to the people that liked it, comment back and go, hey, thanks for that, but you don't matter. Because that's basically what you're saying. I didn't get enough. I didn't have enough. This wasn't good enough. What about the people that actually liked it? Those are real people. We forget that these numbers, Tom, are people, which is also a huge amount of pressure when it comes to creating content. And so when those numbers become reality, that is when shit sort, sort of hits the fan and you get perspective and awareness about the magnitude of lives that you are changing on a per second basis. Yeah, I think sometimes the, the problem could be that the scale just gets so big. Correct. That you kind of become... Numb. Yeah, you become desensitized to it. You become jaded. It's like, oh, I only got 6 million on this one. It's like some people out there may never get 600,000 views in their lifetime. It's 
And you know, it's not your fault. Everybody, no matter what size has this happened to them, including me. It's not your, it's not your fault. What my job as a coach is, is to help bring awareness to this, to help you move forward, to say, wow, what can I do with that? Uh, So Josh, I know you've got some super actionable tips for us to have a a lot more positive mindset and just a generally better all-round well-being. Before we do, there's like kind of a big white elephant in the room that we have to talk about. I don't really want it to dominate our conversation because it's kind of who knows how long it will last, but it is also kind of a snapshot in time and that's the current COVID pandemic or at least current as to when we are recording this. But of course, the hope is that people will be listening to this for years to come. But I, I do think we need to touch on it. And on like a scale of one to 10, how have you seen that COVID has magnified these problems in the last few months to your clients you know because even kind of someone like me who's already working from home in isolation has seen my stress levels just rocket and so i can only imagine what's happening to to kind of your clients a 10 it'll be a 10 yeah Um, i can imagine across your cpms dropping not being able to see friends different platforms traditional celebrities everyone going online and flooding your space the amount of content being consumed going up, trying to be inspired when you don't feel inspired because you're stuck at home. And then the absolute tragedy of some creators out there not taking this responsibly, which I wrote an op-ed in, in TubeFilter and about that. That's the, the biggest one is that people are getting so stir crazy, which we all are, that they're doing things that are not responsible. And for your listeners, you have to remember you have an audience. They listen to you. And if you go out and do something, they may do it. Now, you don't have control over them, but you do have control about what you put out and the message you're sending. So you have to be ready to take responsibility for potentially enabling someone to die. It's heavy. Yeah, it is that, it's that serious, yeah. So we don't have to go into it. You can read my article, and I'm always happy to talk about it. But the positive note on this is I don't care how big you are on any platform, you have a voice and you need to use it for good. And if you really want things to get back to normal or the new normal or whatever that is, then use it to spread the message. You have a larger audience than every single platform and corporation on the planet. So if you really want this over with, if you really want to be able to go out, then start aligning yourself with friends and organizations to help spread the word about slowing the spread of this virus and don't go out there being irresponsible because you're just prolonging your ability to create amazing content that the world needs. Yeah, that's a really, really pertinent point. And I want to actually carry on that kind of on that positive vein because we really do need your help, Josh. You know, myself included, I said it in the intro, I mentioned it a couple of minutes ago. You know, I have struggled, whether that's COVID times before and likely after as well, because, you know, as you know, Josh, I'm a people's person. Mm-hmm. I love to socialize. I'm used to working in teams, whether I'm leading a team or being part of a team and you know, having bigger networks around me in big kind of corporate companies. And now I'm essentially a one-man band. And I think a lot of people listening to this will either be freelancers, solopreneurs, creators that are either working on their own or working in very small teams, likely remote teams. And like I said, we need help. It's a very slippery slope. It's easy to get into a rut and things just kind of spiral more negatively so what we really 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 would love from you is some kind of i've written down top five but feel free to do less or more as you feel appropriate but five tips for keeping like a really well balanced and mentally healthy lifestyle you know just things that we can use to just push ourselves to improve the way that we think which will then in turn, I'm sure you agree, the way we feel, the way we act, the way we create, the way we do business. So I'm going to kind of leave the floor open to you. You know me, I'm going to butt in at certain points, but I'd like to like leave this section kind of wide open for you to give us like your top actionable tips for avoiding burnout and other problems that your clients might face. Before I give any any tips, I want to just talk about a great article on Medium that is really references, it's called Your Surge Capacity is Depleted 
and it's why you feel awful. And what the author does is interview a lot of different really interesting people, but what they explain in it is, and, and I believe Dr. Anna Mason said this, which is surge capacity is a collection of adaptive systems, mental and physical, that humans draw on for short-term survival, right? So you're scared, you have a surge of energy to get you through it. Fight or flight response, right? Exactly. But how are you supposed to do that for months on end? And that's why our surge capacity is completed. That's why we're tired. That's why we feel awful. So just to give a little bit of context that everybody's feeling it. So with that being said, you know, my first tip would be morning routines. You have to have a morning routine because of the fact that we are in lockdown in some places or not going out. We're used to going out. We're social creatures. And so because we're used to going out and now we can't, you know, that's us getting coffee, getting in the car, driving to work, doing our morning routine. Now our morning routine is get out of bed. And that's not good enough. We have to create and you have to create a morning routine that gives you the stability to stand on and know that that's what you're going to do every single day. Because when you go to sleep at night, the stress of what am I going to do tomorrow, if you know I'm getting up at this time, I'm doing this, here's the routine, well, you've just created stability in an unstable time. It's really hard to do. I work with all my clients on it. But if you're able to do it, it, you will see a change immediately in how you feel, the productiveness of your day, and really overall how you feel throughout the day and the work that you produce. And I, yeah, I told you I was going to butt in there. I, <laughs> I, I, can, I can absolutely attest to this being true, not during COVID, but a few years back. I listened to a podcast with somebody called Hal Elrod. And then I read his book and followed his the miracle morning, the miracle morning. And I think I did it 60 days straight, something like that. And it was without doubt the most productive couple of months of my entire life. I felt great. I lost weight, felt more energetic, was getting more done. And then I had my second kid and there's no way I could give up another hour, <laughs> hour of sleep. But I, you know, all jokes aside, I can not recommend that enough. So I'll link to that book in the yeah. show notes. It is a game changer. It is genuinely a life changer. So Josh, that is a, a fantastic. I'm tip. looking at that book right now because of how great it is. And I cannot encourage people to do that enough. So the second thing I would say is rituals. And rituals are sort of fold into the morning routine, which is there are things that you do throughout the day that are constant. Because again, what we're trying to do is establish a sense of normalcy that you've created. So those rituals may be talking to a friend at a certain time, exercising at a certain time, making sure to eat and drink enough water, doing different things that you do every single day that make you feel good. And all of this can be done with somebody else, including the morning routine, to help hold yourself accountable. So that's going to be really helpful when it comes to setting up your day for success and your week. The next one is the to-do list, which I would say, and I would challenge everyone listening, and I'd love to see anyone in the, in, in the comments or, or tweeting about this, how many of you have ever completed your to-do list? Well, I can tell you I've never. Like, I've got a to-do list that is probably goes back to when we met Josh and there's items on there <laughs> that still haven't been done. Right. And how do you feel about that? Uh, I don't look at it anymore. Why? Because I can't face the truth that I've just been so slack on it. And there it is. Yeah. The it's skill. Skill, it's kind of, I'm trying to shortcut what's important to what I want to do. You know, there's, as you know, there's probably a million different kind of feelings and emotions tied to that. Right, and everyone can hear it. But Tom, here's the thing. The reason why the to-do list is dangerous is because you always put the, you always add things. And so when you cross something off, it doesn't feel significant because the list just keeps growing. 
Or I'd say also tied to that is that I would choose the easiest thing on the list so I could just physically put that cross for it. But it wasn't necessarily something that was important or that I needed to do. That doesn't matter. You still did something. You still moved forward. Mm -hmm. And so what I would say is when it comes to the to-do list, you can have a running to-do list, but each day write down three or four things that you want to accomplish. That's it. And that is your to-do list. And once you finish those, you're done. And having a to-do list where you can actually cross off those four things and, and feel a sense of completion is reinforcing positive behavior and affirmations and giving yourself the credit that you completed something. Now, for the stuff that we're all procrastinating on, there's a different piece, which is what is called an SDA, single daily action. And so I want everyone, if you've all, or if you are listening to this and you are procrastinating, which everyone is procrastinating, I want you to write down 10 things you are procrastinating on. And once you've written those down, I want you to do something called an SDA. So every day, you're just going to pick one of those things from that list to accomplish. And once you do it, you cross it off. And within 10 days, you could do five, you could do 20. I would say stick to 10 at the most. All of those things you've procrastinated on will be done because we're breaking it down into small obtainable goals. And that's going to help build confidence, structure, and your ability to see that you're actually moving forward when we all feel stuck. One of the other things I want of the tips is that, you know, there is a, it's really important to have a work-life balance. And it's really hard to do when you're at home and your office is at home. So I challenge everybody to use a part of their living quarters for their office and everything else for their, where they live and separate it. If you have an office, that's great. And I think it is really important that you define that and you're able to say, okay, work starts at 7 a.m. and stops at 3 p.m. and really stick to that. And then at 3 p.m., you're done and you don't go back into that area. And by doing that, you are going to be able to have that separation and understand the boundaries and set boundaries for yourself so you're not always sitting at your computer working because it's just there. Because the more you work, the more you're running yourself into the ground and you're actually not accomplishing as much as possible. Yeah, this is another one that I can really attest to. So I'm, I'm lucky enough to have a space in my house to have a little office and it works for two reasons. One, it separates me from the rest of the house, including wife and kids. And they know that when the door's shut, like it is now, daddy's working and if you need something, you're not. And if you don't get an answer, you have to go away because it means daddy's probably on a call. And the other thing is that when I finish work, I can shut that door and I know that work has ended. So it's not like I'm working from my kitchen tables or my living room, dining room table. So when I'm sitting there eating my dinner, whatever you want to call it, it's I'm in the same seat that I would be if I was working. And so your mind can't see between the two. So I think that physical separation is an absolutely just golden idea. Yeah. And the thing is that it is so important to know that you're not alone in this. You know, everybody's feeling this way. People may not express it. You may not express it, but everyone's feeling like this. And if you're not, then you should reach out to your friends and family to see how they're doing and help them because we all need help right now. And so that's part of my job is to create that support system, but also to push you to know that there are people out there that everybody is struggling right now. Everyone's going to put on the facade of everything's great, I'm doing fine, I'm working, blah, 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 blah. At some level, they're struggling. And the best thing that you can do is to help yourself first and then help others. Again, I hate to butt in, Josh, but I can't agree with you anymore because I've had this conversation with my wife recently. I feel like I'm having a bit of a coaching session here. So <laughs> thanks for that, Josh, and apologies, audience. But it's been really tough for my wife. She's been working at home also. You know, she's got her duties at home and duties with her family. And I always say to her, you know, if you don't look after yourself first, you're going to get sick. 
And she did. And how are you going to be able to look after us? You know, she always puts other people first and she's like, I've got to do this for someone. So it's like, well, yeah, you have got to do that. But if you don't look after yourself first, it's like the old adage, you know, uh, put your own oxygen mask on first or whatever it is, or, you know, put your own life belt on first before you put your kids on, because if you're not there, you're not going to be able to help them. And so, yeah, it's absolutely like take care of yourself first and then you'll be in a position that you'll be able to be a lot more effective in, in helping other people as well. Yeah. I mean, that, and that's the thing is that the oxygen mask is the perfect thing that analogy is that we've all, hopefully we, I assume everyone's been on an airplane and they tell you to put on your own oxygen mask and you're watching the safety video and you see this little kid next to you and you're like, why wouldn't I put this on the little kid first? And the real reason is, is because if you pass out trying to help this kid, well, you're dead, the kid's dead, and everyone else around you is not going to help. But if you take a second to put on your mask, think about all the different people around you that you can help. And it may seem greedy in that moment, but it really isn't. You taking care of yourself is going to be able to help you enable yourself to take care of everyone else around you. You know, Tom, the other thing that I would say is when it comes to the COVID virus and feeling alone and everything like that is that one of my favorite quotes is from Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers. And it says, solitude is different from loneliness and it doesn't have to be a lonely kind of thing. So it's really important for everybody that's listening to know that you can be lonely And you can be in solitude because of COVID, but solitude does not have to be lonely. Well, I think as well, it doesn't just have to be because of COVID, you know, because as I say, like I used to be part of big teams and now I'm working on my own. And I think a lot of people in this audience will either be kind of solo creators or freelancers who are working from home or working from small offices, co-working spaces. And I think COVID has certainly exacerbated that, but hasn't necessarily, you know, it's not the only reason that people would feel that way. Absolutely. And and for people who don't know, I'm going to now plug you, Tom, is like, Tom, you ran the BBC. You know, I didn't run the whole BBC. The, the, the YouTube, <laughs> I was the director side, general of the BBC. No, the, yeah. the YouTube side of, of the BBC. So for people who don't know, like Mr. Bean and all of the amazing content that the BBC has on their YouTube channel, the reason I know Tom is because he was in charge of it and he helped build that entire infrastructure. So when it comes to mass scale of growth, that's Tom Martin. And Tom and I have been friends ever since because of my deep admiration for his understanding of how to grow and scale, but the huge amount of how how humble he is about it. And that's something that is very, very hard to find in general, but also in our industry where there is a lot of, look at my accolades, look how many people I've helped, etc. And that's not who you are, Tom. And that's something that I've always appreciated about you and about your business and how you run your business and why I think you and I align on so many things is that's how we both run our businesses. And, and, you know, for me, my business of, even though it's creator coach has now expanded to creatives and executives. So it's not just YouTubers anymore. So as this starts to grow, my job is to help as many people as possible and coach as many people as possible. And you are sort of in that same boat of helping as many people as possible grow their businesses. Yeah, some incredible, incredible tips. Have you got any more before I, I've got one more important question for you, Josh? Have you got any more tips before I have one final question for you? I think that's it for now, but people can always reach out to me if they want more. Cool. So we've spoken about like some positive actions that we can take. What would you say is kind of the the number one counterproductive thing that you see people doing all the time? So in other words, what is the one big thing that people need to stop doing to keep them away from that kind of negative mental spiral? So there's a couple things. It's not just one. I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you two. I'll give you two. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'll give myself three. <laughs> The, the give him an inch and he'll take a mile. Right. <laughs> exactly. Right. The first one is social media, which is very funny to say since we are talking about growing and sustainability on, on here. But what I mean by that is comparing yourself to others. 
which we do inadvertently. And because we're looking for those likes, et cetera, because those give dopamine hits, it is important to realize that this is curated stuff. You know, most people who are listening would never just take a picture and post it on Instagram without any filters or captions or retaking it. Like you're curating it. So just remember that not everything you see is completely natural. So when we beat ourselves up and we start to feel bad because we're scrolling through and looking about how many, how great other people's lives are, just remember it's curated. The other thing I would say is the news. Now, I have a background in journalism. The news doesn't really bother me. It doesn't have a such an adverse effect on me that it does other people. But if you're able to not consume as much news, that is going to help you as well and really limit yourself and do as much as you can to have as much safe human interaction. I know we have Zoom fatigue, you know, et cetera. But be creative and reach out if you need help. Why why do you say that about the news? Is that because you think the news is particularly, you know, got a negative spin on it as of late or it's just so heavy at the moment? Can you expand on that just a little bit? I you know, I think my hypothesis is that because of all of the stuff that is going on and the heaviness and the seriousness and the top, the amount of death and despair and just perpetual uneasiness and uncertainty doesn't help us feel any better. There's a famous thing that I learned that, you know, the, uh, a saying in, in news is, if it bleeds, it leads. Meaning that if it is tragic, it leads, it's at the top of the show. And I think it is especially important right now when we are all more vulnerable to news that is not uplifting that it has a much deeper impact on us. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. If it pleases you, Josh, I would like to add one of my own and then you can give me your opinion on it. And it's it's a, it's a kind of a negative mindset that I think leads to only further negativity. And it's kind of connected to your social media one. And it's kind of like the comparison trap, especially around numbers. I work with huge creators. I work with medium-sized creators and I work with people that are tiny and people that haven't even started yet. And they'll come to me and they'll say, oh, you know, but this person does these other videos and they're getting, you know, a hundred thousand views and mine only getting 15,000. And I, I just don't think that's a healthy practice. And mostly because, and this is the real crux of the matter, is that they're comparing the start of their journey with the kind of peak of somebody else's journey or the the much more advanced part of somebody else's journey. It's, It's like if me and you were doing like marathon training, like my marathon time would be a lot better than yours if I had two years more training than you. But yet, you know, you start yesterday and you're wondering why you're not able to complete a marathon straight away. And I think that is a a negative trait that I see again and again and again from creators and channel managers and even people working in the periphery of the industry. So I'd love to get your take on that kind of phenomena and how you think it affects your clients and creators in general. Well, it doesn't make anyone feel good. So again, it's about perspective. I go back to Madison Square Garden. And if you say, oh, I I only got 15,000 views or likes, whatever it is, you know, comparing yourself to others is not going to help in any way. You know, you can do some analysis and and comparing metrics, etc. But as soon as you start to go down that thought process of I only got this, I want you to really think about writing to those 15,000 people or five people and telling them they don't matter. Because that's basically what you're saying. I only got this much. Nobody will write that to their fans. You don't matter. But that's actually what you're saying. And so while your video or content may get lower views, it's about the impact that you're having on people's lives. Yeah, I think that's really the key is, yeah, impact. And I think people often lose sight of that especially when they've been in the in the industry for a while and they've kind of become jaded. Speaking of impact, Josh, I know this interview and these tips are going to have a massive impact on a lot of people. I've already started making lots of notes and things that I'm going to start doing probably most realistically is 
to get back on that morning routine train because I know how effective that was. If people want to get you to help them have even more impact going forward, how can they find out more about you? We'll link to all of the articles you've mentioned, but if they wanted to maybe work with you directly or get in contact, how can they do that, Josh? Sure. So you can email me, josh at creatorcoach.com, and I'll respond to you. It doesn't matter how big or, or small you are or really who you are. If you want to know more, reach out. You can follow me on all the social platforms, which is usually at Creator Coach, other than on Twitter, which is at The Creator Coach, and reach out if you want to know more and or just shoot me a DM and we'll go from there. But you know, my job is to be there for people who want to move forward or have questions. Always happy to meet new people. I hate to correct you, Josh, but it's not the creator coach. It's the creator coach, the one, the only Josh Zimmerman. Thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom today. Really, really appreciate it. My pleasure, Tom, and and send the family my love, and I hope everybody uh, stays safe and healthy. Thanks, Josh. Take care. I don't know about you, but I feel so inspired by Josh. Not only do I have these actionable tips, but I also realized that I wasn't alone. And if you, you can definitely pick up that I almost treated that as like a personal therapy session. It was so useful. And Josh is just such a great calming influence on people. And yeah, definitely, definitely check out createacoach.com and check out Josh on all of his socials, links to create a coach and links to where else you can get in touch with Josh, along with an in-depth detailed how-to guide as to how you can better live a balanced create a lifestyle and avoid burnout can all be found at prochannelmanager.com forward slash episode 12. That's the word episode, the number 12, no spaces, no hyphens. There you also find links to the incredible Pro Channel Manager community. This is the place where you can find friendship and accountability and support. If you're working alone and you want more of a group environment, you can find me and a lot of other great YouTube minds there. We're going to be there to support you, push you forward, give you advice, and pick you up when you are feeling a little burnt out. And finally, none of this would be possible without our incredible sponsor, vidIQ. And remember, you can get a free trial of one of their awesome paid plans by visiting protrannelmanager.com forward slash vidIQ. If you found this useful, please give us a rating and a review in Apple Podcasts or a star in Overcast or the podcast app of your choice. Make sure you're subscribed. We just want as many people to hear inspiring messages like this one from Josh and all of the other lessons we have here at ProChannelManager.com. Thanks for listening today. And until next time, happy uploading. Laters. Thanks for listening to the Pro Channel Manager Podcast. Happy uploading. And remember, next time you go to publish a video, ask yourself, what would Tom think?